0: Visit carp.ca.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review. All things Zoomer worldwide. Libby Snymer is off. I'm Jane Brown. It's what the entire city is still talking about. The untimely passing of former Toronto mayor and city councillor Rob Ford. Earlier this week, he died after an 18-month battle with cancer. Today, we'll be joined by Dr. Katie Wright of the Canadian Cancer Society for a look at where we're at in the fight against this devastating and often unfair disease. Plus, a massive budget was unveiled by Trudeau's government this week. It will create an almost $30 billion deficit, including $11 billion in spending. But is there enough being done for Zoomers? Wanda Morris, COO and VP of Advocacy for CARP, will give us her reaction. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's not news to listeners of Zoomer Week in Review, but another study proves it. Being social helps Zoomers live longer. A study posted in the BMJ Open studied the habits of more than 400 Britons as they transitioned into retirement and found older adults who belonged to two or more groups before they retired had a 2% risk of early death in the first six years of retirement. The risk increased 5% if they lost one group membership, jumping 12% if they lost membership in all social groups. Researchers say being part of a social organization helps to boost self-esteem, resilience, and mental health. Meantime, if you subscribe to the theory that small amounts of alcohol have a positive impact on your health... You may have to reconsider that idea. A study out of the University of Victoria's Center for Addiction Research of British Columbia looks at 87 past research experiments involving more than 4 million people. Study co-author Tim Stockwell says they found a bias in the other studies overestimating the benefits of drinking while possibly underestimating its dangers because they included people who don't drink. He says correcting for that bias shows the risks of alcohol. Consumption at all levels is higher than previously believed. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II is turning 90 this year, and the people of Britain are ready to celebrate. While the Queen's actual birthday is in April, the official party will be held on the second weekend in June, and it's clear that they're expecting a big party. In honor of the festivities, it's been announced that pubs in England will have their operations extended by two hours until 1 a.m. instead of the normal 11 p.m. closing time. Zoomers and basketball fans will remember the 1970s TV show The White Shadow and Ken Howard, who starred as coach Ken Reeves. Who's died at the age of 71. Ken Howard was also the president of the merged Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA. The union announced Howard's death, but no cause was given. Howard had a long TV career, appearing on Dynasty, Melrose Place, The Office, and Crossing Jordan. I'm Jane Brown, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The death of Rob Ford is prompting conversations about the state of cancer research. The former Toronto mayor died of a rare form of cancer called pleomorphic liposarcoma. Dr. Katie Wright is the Senior Research Communications Director with the Canadian Cancer Society. She joins us on the line. Dr. Wright, we know when cancers are caught early and have not spread, they can be cured. But metastasized cancers, as was the case with Rob Ford, are not curable.
2: For the most part, no. Uh, when cancer spreads, it has the opportunity to break out of the original tumor and move through the body to a new area and sort of adapt and change as it does that. So treating a secondary or metastatic tumor um, isn't necessarily the same as, as treating a first tumor, and it also makes it much harder once it's spread throughout the body instead of being in one localized um spot.
1: And this is why we put so much emphasis on a catching cancer early. Uh, could Rob Ford's cancer have been caught earlier, or was it just a matter that there were no signs and symptoms for him until it was advanced?
2: It's a little bit hard for me to speculate specifically on Rob Ford's case, but there are some cancers that grow quite aggressively. So by the time that you saw symptoms, it may actually not have been that long that you've had the cancer and would have been hard to diagnose early. Cancers that typically are easier to diagnose early are ones that we have screening programs for. So that includes when we have mammography for breast cancer, um, when we have um, uh, fecal occult tests for screening for colon cancer, and those sort of standardized screening programs really are able to catch things early versus tumors that grow in other areas of our body or... That grow very fast are hard to catch really
1: how far are we from curing metastasized cancers and I know that there's obviously no set amount of time but just based on your research and knowledge
2: so there is a lot of research going into how we can look at curing um, metastasized cancer um, one really exciting area of research uh, that has come up recently is immunotherapy and we uh, Working with immunotherapy means being able to target everyone's cells in their body using their own immune system. In that way, if we can uh, activate our immune system to kill all cancer cells instead of having to rely on chemotherapy or radiation to try to find its way to the tumor, um, that could be one really effective way. But even knowing that and even knowing the possibility that it's there, it could still be 10, 15 years before we could have these treatments. So really, right now, in addition to, to focusing on that um, research on metastatic cancer, we're also really focusing research research on prevention and early diagnosis because, in theory, that will help to prevent people from getting metastatic cancer in the first place.
1: That personalized immunotherapy, that's exciting though. Um, What will it look like once it actually comes to fruition?
2: With personalized care, um, often it's using uh, your own body's resources. So the specific study I was talking about um, was a study done out of London where they looked at being able to harvest immune cells from your own tumor. Your body actually does make cells to fight the cancer, but what the cancer can do is turn them off. So by being able to harvest someone's own cells, they can then amplify them outside of the body, grow them up, and then inject them back in with an immune booster so that they can actually... um, turn on your immune system to specifically target your cancer cells. Um, so that's, it is a very exciting breakthrough, and they're hoping, um, I think, to move into clinical trials within the f- a couple of years. But even then, um, it's still a difficult treatment because you have to. It, it's, a very, it's very precise. It's different with every single person and will require development of a treatment plan for everyone individually. So with precision treatment, uh, we have much better treatment of cancer, but it, it does um, take longer and, and cost more.
1: This means we could see a cure to cancer in our lifetime, though.
2: That is the hope. That is the hope with our with these new precision and personalized therapies. So that includes immunotherapy as well as um, the studies we have now looking into personal oncogenomics. So looking at studying the genes that are being turned on in in bad ways in everyone's tumor and, and looking at how we can turn those off or, or stop that gene signaling and, and, and going at what's actually causing the cancer instead of just treating the symptoms.
1: Let's talk about five year survival rates for cancers and where we're at with that. I know that because of all the research funding that's gone into cancers like breast cancer, five-year survival rates are extremely high and beyond. Mm-hmm. This So this has changed. There's been a lot more promise, hasn't there, once we've gone from the diagnosis to treatment to survival stage?
2: Yes. Yeah, so we um, now are In in Canada, the five-year survival rate for all cancers is over 60%. And that really is driven up by the high um, survival rate we have for some cancers like breast cancer, which is 88%, and prostate cancer, which is 96%. Um, We have some cancers that are basically considered managed, that although maybe you might not be fully cured of the disease, it's something that can be managed throughout your life and and not necessarily be a death sentence. However, there's still some cancers that have quite low survival rates. So one that we know specifically of is pancreatic cancer, which only has an 8% five-year survival rate, and that's quite devastating. Uh, Lung cancer, um, which causes the most cancer deaths in Canada over 20,000 a year, only has a 17% five-year survival rate. A liver, 20%, brain, 25%. So there's still a lot of room um, for improvement in these uh, devastating cancer types.
1: Great. We thank you very much for your time. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks. Dr. Katie Wright is the Senior Research Communications Director with the Canadian Cancer Society. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Jane Brown for Libby Snymer. Trudeau's Liberals unveiled a very ambitious and expensive budget this week, but does it do enough to meet the needs of Zoomers? CARP COO and VP of Advocacy Wanda Morris joins us next.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. The first budget from the Trudeau
1: Liberals in Ottawa put an emphasis on spending, $11 billion worth, in fact. But are Zoomers reaping the benefits? To recap the budget highlights and how they affect older Canadians, we're joined by Wanda Morris, COO and VP of Advocacy of CARP, A New Vision of Aging. Wanda, let's start with the positives. What did you like about it?
3: Well, I think the federal budget um, made a couple of really critical steps forward for our poorest, our lowest income seniors and especially single seniors. So there was an increase in $947 annually to approximately 900,000 single seniors seniors living in poverty. And, and that will certainly help them uh, with the necessities of everyday living. And this is $947 they did not have before. That is correct. That is a yes. lot of money
1: when you're at that income level. It,
3: it really is. Yeah, we're talking about the poorest of, of Canada's seniors. Uh, as well, there was a, a commitment of $200 million for uh, seniors housing, which will, will be really welcome. We know that uh, too many seniors live in, uh, in fragile situations because they can't. Can't afford adequate housing.
1: Now, in terms of home care, drug costs, health care in general, there are some criticisms from CARP.
3: You know, there were uh, a number of promises that the government made uh, and the campaign trail, particularly the $3 billion investment in home care that we were really hoping would be a part of this budget. Um, On reflection, though, what we realize is that right now there's, uh, there's a problem with increased federal funding because the federal government has no way to ensure that the provinces and territories actually spend the money on what the federal government intends it to be used for were. Uh, So now what the federal government is talking about is uh, renegotiating the health accord and working with the provinces and territories to make that investment in home care. That's actually probably very good news. We want to make sure that uh, investments in health or investments that are intended to go into health do so and don't just go into general revenues of the various provinces and territories. In terms of uh,
1: caregiver relief, are we seeing anything for that or are we just talking about it at this stage?
3: You know, that was a real disappointment. Uh, the government really reworked the um, employment insurance uh, qualifications and eligibility. Um, it would have been, I think, an ideal time for them to uh, to increase the benefits for caregivers, at least through EI. And how would CARP like to see that rolled
1: out, EI money specifically designated for caregivers who have to stay at home?
3: Y- you know, what we recognize is that people are, are giving up path in many cases, full-time employment to be volunteer caregivers. That's a, I know, an incredible commitment that they're making and we'd like to mitigate the financial loss that they suffer through, um, for example, being able to, to take chunks of time off as required rather than one solid six-month period uh, and to be able to claim the benefits when they're nursing somebody with chronic diseases uh, right now, the eligibility is only for people with terminal illnesses.
1: Now, we also, we knew it was coming, but the age of eligibility for old age security has been reduced back to 65 rather than going to 67 in 2023, which is what the Harbor Conservatives had pegged for it.
3: Overall, that is a good move in terms of what CARP sees as a priority? I think our members will be really pleased with that, Uh, you know, in terms of of future generations of retirees. What we realize is that um, while many other countries are moving to uh, higher ages, in Canada, we have a looming retirement crisis. Canada Pension Plan is only replacing 25% of pre-retirement income, and that up to only a fairly uh, small threshold. I think it's some $50,000. So, CARP is calling on the federal government to work with the provinces and really uh, review the CPP and consider um, broad enhancements to it. Uh, And until such time as that's done, then it's really premature to look at tweaking any other uh, retirement benefits. Was there any mention of that uh, revisiting the CPP in the budget? Uh, Again, in terms of discussions rather than dollars, uh, we did see a mention of that. Uh, and, And in that particular case, there was a fairly tight timeline. The government indicated they would Uh, review CPP by the end of the year. Um, We're really pleased about that at Carp because our concern is, is that Ontario is moving forward with enhancements or potentially introducing an Ontario only pension plan. We think that would be a mistake. Uh, I mean, certainly we want uh, Ontarians to benefit from enhanced pensions, but we'd be far happier to see a Canada-wide solution uh, so that all Canadians benefit and Ontarians don't have to pay for a duplicate bureaucracy.
1: Wanda, I know you started your Feet to the Fire campaign uh, at the beginning of March, and the first item on that list now has been knocked off. That was the OASH reduction. What else is on the list that's Uh, a priority?
3: So we, we had... The um, increase of the GIS for seniors for 947, which the government delivered on, we're very pleased about that. There was also, uh, the government had talked about a new way of indexing benefits for seniors that was discussed in the budget, but uh, not committed to. We'd like to see that come through. And of course, the the other two big ones, the enhancements to CPP and that $3 billion investment in home care. So we will be continuing to hold the government's feet to the fire uh, to make sure that happens. And we encourage all um, our listeners, whether they're uh, yet CARP supporters, to uh, join our email list at carp.ca and make sure uh, that you add your voice to ours and we hold this government's feet to the fire. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
1: Wanda Morris is the Vice President of Advocacy for CARP, A New Vision of Aging. There's more information online at carp.ca. I'm Jane Brown, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break, and then it's back with music from Elton John.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, A New Vision of Aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome
1: back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Jane Brown for Libby's Nimer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Bob Comsick.
4: In New York, the play Waitress follows Jenna, who's pregnant and works in a restaurant, trapped in an abusive marriage and looking for a happy ending. Director Diane Paulus. She puts all of her emotion and all of her mess into a pie. And that's good until the pies start to sort of bubble over and you realize, you know, as one of the characters says, this ain't something you can tuck inside a pie. The play, based on the 2007 film by the late Adrian Shelley, is at the Brooks Atkinson Theater. Out in Sacramento, California, the Crocker Art Museum features Andy Warhol portraits, more than 160 works exploring the artist's iconic portrayal of the famous or wealthy. To England, where history buffs can visit a piece of British history at an abandoned Victorian subway stop in southeast London. The once grand entrance to the legendary Crystal Palace Exhibition of 1851, a top tourist attraction before burning down in 1936, is being restored. And in Paris, Barbie celebrates the doll's 57th year with an exhibition which delves into her history. It's at the Museum of Decorative Arts. I'm Bob Komsik with the International Arts Datebook.
1: It's a big week for birthdays of iconic Zoomer artists. Supreme's frontwoman and soloist Diana Ross celebrated her 72nd birthday. The Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, turned 74 years young. And the one and only Elton John celebrated his 69th birthday. During his career, Elton has recorded more than 50 top 40 hits, as well as seven consecutive number one U.S. albums and 58 Billboard top 40 singles. Right now, we'll hear his first North American number one hit, Crocodile Rock, on the Zoomer Week in Review. That was Elton John with Crocodile Rock. The singer, songwriter, and pianist celebrated his 69th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Jane Brown for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide.
0: You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited.